0: Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.
1: What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. Before we get started, I want to let you know that we're going to talk about some difficult things in this episode, including descriptions of sexual abuse. The hazing scandal with Northwestern University's football team may have surprised some folks last week, but a lot of us really only wish we were more surprised. The problematic parts of college athletics is a poorly kept secret in higher education. Now, there are a lot of layers to this story. Last year, the university opened an investigation based on an anonymous tip. That concluded last week, and Northwestern found that there was hazing going on on the football team they didn't find sufficient
0: evidence to show that head coach Pat Fitzgerald knew about the hazing, but that basically he had many opportunities, significant
1: opportunities to find out
0: about it and report it.
1: That's WBEZ's higher education reporter, Lisa Phillip. She's been following this story all week. Initially, the particulars of the investigation weren't made public, so nobody knew what kind of hazing the report uncovered. But Northwestern's president, Michael Schill, immediately suspended Coach Fitzgerald for two weeks. I'll let Lisa take it from there.
0: The day after that, the Daily Northwestern, and that's a student newspaper at Northwestern, published an account by a former player and confirmed by another former player that hazing involved coerced sexual acts. I guess when a player made a mistake, this player would then have to go do what was called a running where they would have to go into a dark locker room. They would be restrained by upperclassmen and essentially dry humped by upperclassmen. These were allegations made by a former player and confirmed by a second player. So of course there was an outcry after that, um, that Fitzgerald had only been handed a two week suspension, right? So Initially, the president of Northwestern came out and said, I think I erred in my initial sanction against Fitzgerald. Um, A couple days later, Monday night, Schill comes back and says, we're letting Fitzgerald go. I gave him notice. He should have known and he should have gotten to the bottom of it.
1: Yeah. Shortly after the kind of sexual nature of the allegations came through, there were these racial allegations that also came through, which yes. um, was also reported by the the Daily Northwestern. Can you talk about that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the Daily Northwestern came out with accounts from three former players who had played with the team in the late 2000s. So this still was under Fitzgerald's purview because he joined Northwestern as head coach in 2006. Mm. So these three players... Basically, they describe this culture of what one of them called enabling racism, Um, basically like players having to code switch to the extreme and like act white. Um, Mm. One of them talks about this phrase that was used called the wildcat way. And that was this like euphemism for players having to act more white. Things like Fitzgerald and other coaches allegedly would ask black players with longer hairstyles to get haircuts so that they looked like the wildcat way. Whereas white players with longer hair weren't asked Mm. to do such things. Ranging from that to just outright racist comments like, one of the players who was actually named in the uh the story and this was a latino player by the way and a coach made a comment like oh you your family must know something about cleaning houses Ooh. so um again these are all allegations uh-huh. and the northwestern came out and said we don't know anything about this but of course this go- very much goes against our mission so we're going to look into this um but that happened monday afternoon and shill then sent
1: the announcement out later that day that
0: Fitzgerald was being let go. Wow.
1: So Coach Fitzgerald um, was suspended and then fired, as you said. What about the assistant coaches and other folks who were around and in leadership on the team?
0: Yeah, so the most movement we've seen is that an associate athletic director uh, left, I think it was on Monday. Resigned. Resigned resigned okay. yeah um and i i don't know if it was related because he took another job elsewhere don't know if it's related okay but we haven't seen the university come out and hand out any recourse for other coaches in fact um northwestern just announced that the defensive coordinator he was hired six months ago he was fitzgerald's defensive coordinator is going to act as head coach so Again, we're not seeing a lot of movement outside of Fitzgerald, like, but, you know, very notably, this is not amongst leadership, but two recruits who were supposed to start this fall just announced that they're decommitting from Northwestern. Mm. um, And they made these very public announcements on social media and have since gotten offers elsewhere. So that's two just in the few days since this news broke, right? So we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah. So despite all this, Fitzgerald has retained an attorney and he's going to fight his firing. Um, Can you talk about what kind of case Fitzgerald and his attorneys are building?
0: Yeah. So former U.S. attorney Dan Webb is representing Fitzgerald and he told ESPN that he is exploring his legal strategy right now. He said that if they were to pursue litigation, it would be a quote, very large damage case. Um, and I believe okay. that what he's exploring now is breach of contract. Um, mm. And you know, I don't know the details of Fitzgerald's contract, so I can't speak to whether or not this firing violated that, but Webb indicated that in his interview with ESPN. He also talked about the fact that the university had this information before they made the decision to hand Fitzgerald this two-week suspension and not fire him, right? Mm -hmm. And he's saying the university didn't then make this decision until there was public outcry Mm -hmm. about the details around hazing. So I think that's pretty interesting to point out. Fitzgerald maintains that he knew nothing of the hazing.
1: We've been talking about the outcry a little bit. I wonder if we can get into that some more. Um, What has the overall reaction been from the student body and other folks who are affected by the situation?
0: Yeah, well, I think students, it's a mix of just disappointment, but also a lack of surprise Mm. because I think there's some feeling that the football program and the sports program has had long time issues. And there's almost a surprise here that something like this hadn't happened sooner. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, there were allegations by a cheerleader of sexual assault. So this is not something that has never happened in the past for this program. So I think, yeah, it's a mix of disappointment and lack of surprise. And I think a desire that there is more accountability within this program going forward and some kind of meaningful reform that will prevent this from happening again.
1: Yeah. Um, Bigger picture. I'm sure I'm not the only one wondering how this happened in the first place. Um, You talked to a sociologist about the situation what did she say about the culture and mindset in university athletics in general?
0: Um, I talked to Erin Hatton, who is a sociologist at University at Buffalo, and she's written a book about, it's called Coerced, about unequal power dynamics, basically in um, certain like work relationships. And one of the pieces of that was the power dynamics between college coaches and their athletes and team dynamics as well. Basically, athletes playing at this level, right? They've been training since they were
1: kids. Mm -hmm. And this is
0: a very intense lifestyle. And from a very early age, they are taught to basically be submissive to authority, to put aside their own needs in pursuit of greatness in this sport. I think we have some tape from her about that. There's also a certain rhetoric, you know, your team is your family, right? Like, so it's, there's a kind of a silence, there's a team above all else, there's a never snitching or telling on or whatever, right? It's very kind of intense culture. They are putting their team above all else, right? And that they are then set up to be in this culture too of like, there are so many people who would be in the same spot you are, right? Like Haddon actually references in her book a line from this Northwestern football handbook for players from 2013 that said thousands of guys would crawl over glass to be where you are. Like don't take to Twitter to complain about your life. So, you know, it's this very intense culture of, team above all else and I think that's reflected in what happened here right like there's one former player coming out right but then we have this letter that's signed by quote the entire Northwestern football team basically saying that these hazing allegations are were blown out of proportion or were exaggerated mm-hmm. and you know coach Fitzgerald has been there for us and he's like this mentor for us and all of that And I think it's just an important thing to know about college athletics and why players are under so much pressure to stay quiet about how they're doing or about issues on the team is that coaches determine both their playing time, which feeds a lot into how their athletic career goes, right? The more they play, the more they have a shot at going pro. Mm. And then on top of that, coaches are often in control of their scholarships. So it's both their athletic career and then their education on the line. Um, And, you know, I think we saw some of this in the Daily Northwestern's reporting on the allegations of racism in that one of the players talked about how coaches would say things like, check your scholarship." Which implies, right, that their ability to be at school or have their education funded is at risk. So she just believes that a huge overhaul of the way college athletics works, especially Division One um, athletics works, is needed in order to prevent something like this from happening again.
1: Thing that really stands out about this story is that yeah Northwestern was doing its own investigation and had already temporarily suspended coach Fitzgerald but it wasn't until reporting from the student newspaper the Daily Northwestern that more comprehensive details came through and that the university itself said was a part of their reasoning for firing the coach can you talk about the significance of the student journalists in all of this that was one of the, you know, huge
0: takeaways for people out of this past weekend, right? Like there was a pointer, which is, you know, a journalism nonprofit columnist who would called the students reporting the best reporting anywhere over the weekend mm-hmm. because these student journalists uncovered something that the university wouldn't do themselves right Mm. they had a six-month investigation and didn't make these findings public and i you know i don't know much about their reasoning behind that but it took students to hold the university and the athletic program and coach fitzgerald accountable for what was happening within the program right and without them All of this wouldn't be happening, right? Mm. Like Fitzgerald would have taken a two-week suspension and maybe eventually more details would have come out. But I think it speaks so much to the value of student journalism, not just in training journalists Mm -hmm. of the future, but also for holding these places accountable. Like these, they're so keyed into their what's happening on campus. Because they have skin in the game, right? They're affected by the way these places function and how they're executing their missions. Yeah. So I think it's just the the part that they played and I think continue to play in this story is such a good teaching lesson for the rest of us on the value of student journalism.
1: Yeah. Um, all this is happening at the same time that Northwestern is planning to build an $800 million stadium on campus. What are people saying about that project now? A lot of people
0: are now renewing a push to have this product put on hold. There was already a lot of opposition to it amongst neighbors Mm -hmm. um, in the area because Part of the stadium deal was that they'd have 10 concerts a year. So, of course, you know, neighbors were worried about noise, parking, things like that. But now you have this renewed push to put it on pause because it's an $800 million investment in this sports program Mm. that clearly has needs to tackle some issues, right? Like a group of six professors, Northwestern professors, penned this letter to President Michael Schill and the athletic director, basically saying we need to get this house in order before we expand it. There have been environmental concerns as well because the stadium is supposed to be, the proposal as it stands is supposed to be built below ground level and will cause basically groundwater to be diverted so there's also environmental impacts like people are worried about the trees in the area the potential impacts of just like rerouting groundwater um but now you have this call for let's let's look at what's happening in this athletics program and um and do something about that, mm-hmm. do something meaningful to change the way things are happening with that within that program before we make this hundreds of millions of dollars mm-hmm. and put that hundreds of millions of dollars into expanding and making the stadium.
1: Yeah. What, if not a stadium, <laughs> happens <laughs> next with all this?
0: Oh, yeah. Um, I am very curious, you know, I, I mentioned before that I'm curious to see just the impacts on the players themselves, like whether uh, more players will s- potentially speak out, maybe about what's happening. Whether you're going to see more recruits decommitting to Northwestern, which will create this issue of like you don't have enough players as you you know the team kind of grows, and then you also have this upheaval. Um, So I'm going to be very curious to see just about like both more of an internal investigation into what happened, what is happening, why is it happening, maybe an external investigation because under Illinois law, hazing is illegal. So are there going to be some sort of external charges for uh, what was happening amongst, you know? some of the players who are participating. Yeah,
1: subpoenas, see who did what, yeah, some criminal charges. Exactly. Yeah, interesting. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I'm curious to see that. It will be very interesting, of course, to see what happens with a potential lawsuit from Fitzgerald's attorney. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a hot mess, Aaron.
1: Yeah, lot,
0: lots to watch. I should also say, mm-hmm. I'm curious to see how this will affect this whole discussion of college athletics. Yes,
1: the ripple effects. And,
0: you know, do we need to be paying players? Because like players right now, you know, they've gotten this inch basically of ground gain where they can be compensated for the use of their image and likeness, but they still are not paid, right? Aaron uh, Hatton, the sociologist, made a case for students getting or athletes getting paid because their education is essentially secondary to what they're doing right like these are kids who are getting up at the crack of dawn to go to practice and like classes are scheduled outside of that practice right mm-hmm. and um
1: you know and as much as makes I... how much
0: off of college oh, yeah. athletics yeah this is a multi-million dollar program just yeah. football in and of itself right at northwestern um so With that, you know, Erin Hatton talked about the potential for, you know, if students are then paid, you could have an HR and have worker protections for them. And I thought that was a really interesting idea. So I don't know if anything will come of that (laughs) in that situation, but I am very much interested in the questions this raises around the treatment of athletes, student athletes, and, you know, attempts to give them more
1: agency. Lisa Phillip is WBEZ's higher education reporter. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thanks, Erin. As I mentioned, Lisa and other WBEZ and Chicago Sun-Times reporters will continue to follow the story. You can read and hear more of their reporting at WBEZ.org. And that's it for today. Thank you to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Clee for editing the show. Sarah also engineered this episode. Our theme music is by Louis Weeks. And The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and it's a part of the NPR Network. We love hearing from you. Email us your thoughts, questions, questions, what you want to hear on the show at the rundown pod at WBEZ.org. I'm Erin Allen. thank you for listening. I'll talk to you on Monday.